Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. How many of you have been oppressed before? How many of you have been depressed before? What I need to tell you is that the first enemy that you need to cast out of your life and the first demon that you need to cast out of your head is the enemy. Can I get an amen? And since Jesus gave you power over all those things and all those demonic forces that are unclean, you have the power today through the blood of Jesus Christ to cast them out of your head, your heart, and your hands. Today, it's understanding that. And I want you to leave this place victorious in him. Today, if you're here today and, and, and you're lost and you're, you're saying, man, I, I don't even know. This is completely different. It's, it's this or that. Maybe your first time here or whatever. But I want to tell you, before you leave today, I want you to make a conscious choice. It's my heart, man. It's my passion to see you make a conscious choice and a decision to follow Christ. Not to leave here following yourself again, but to give your life to Jesus and to come to this altar and to say, I give because you gave. This preacher up here is going to tell you in just a few moments that at some point it will come out that you can lay everything that you've ever done, every rotten, dirty thing that you've ever done right here. And Christian, guess what? That's not just for the lost person. That's for you too that's weighted down and weary. That's for you too. Let's start at verse 1. The Word of God says this. There is therefore, say therefore. Now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, comma, pause. Why is that? It's because many people get, they stop right here. Wait a minute, you can't bring this on me. There's no condemnation. I'm in Christ Jesus. But look at the connotation. Look at the way Scripture is put together, the way that it is said. It says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let's move on down to verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? <laughs> if God be for us, somebody say, if God be for us, who can be against us? Let's put it all together. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hang on to that. What are we going to say to these things? Now, Paul is presenting a wonderful thing. There's at least seven questions here, but he answers. Most of it will seem like a question, but it's actually the answer. Who then will say to these things, but if God be for us, who can be against this question mark? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Somebody say all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Somebody say all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Question mark. I missed one back there in the previous verse too, but is it God that justifies? 
Who is he that condemns? Question mark. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who it is even of the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. The word of God says who? Somebody say who? Shall separate us from the love of Christ? Question mark. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, as it is written... Question mark before I get to 36. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, Lord. We are accounted as sheep for slaughter. Verse 37. Nay, in all these things. Somebody say these things. We are more. Somebody say we are more. Than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor things in my past, nor things in my present. The Word of God says this, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Pray with me, Lord, such power in your word today. And, oh, God, your word is life, so let life be preached. I pray today, God, that your convicting power be released from on high. That, Lord, today we wouldn't just be drawn, Lord, just not out of our seat, but, Lord, you'd begin to do a drawing in our soul today to bring us closer to you. That, God, we would leave here not in a spirit of confusion, but, God, this would be a time of confession. That this could be a time, Lord, we leave this place in you, of you, and for you. And Lord, today, you've already surveyed every heart that's here. You already know who's in this house. And God, you already know what the opposition is trying to do. But God, I declare today that we don't have to leave this place defeated. In the name of Jesus, the power of that name, do what you do, Lord. And we're going to believe for great things. And for your name not just to be all over it, but for your name to be all in it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, I can't get over the hill. I don't know what the age of over the hill is. I, I don't know. I'm past 50, and I guess in the world's mindset, maybe I'm over the hill. And I began to ponder that in my prayer time this week, early on in this week. And there's a whole message here lined out with that thought. And yet, I'm seeing God just bring me, we, just, just bring me right in here to Romans chapter 8. And I know we'll get to preach that point of, are you over the hill? As Paul brings this out, he said, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who walk in the Spirit and don't walk in the flesh. And you see, it's a common thing today that when we consider maybe the speck in our brother's eye, that Scripture reminds us, judge not lest you be judged. And considering the beam that is in your own eye, according to the Gospel of Matthew. And so many times when you bring truth to someone's life, they'll say, who are you to judge me? The thing is, I have no place to judge you. But this word has the power to judge you. 
And the reason so many times that we get offended at people that try to bring truth into our life and convey truth into our life is because we don't want the truth. Friend, I will tell you, without the truth, you will stay bound and be captive to those things that are still holding you. But through the power of the book and the blood that is through this book, you can be set free today, be delivered, and have you a holy revival. I still believe in the life-giving, Holy Ghost leading through the power of the Word of God. I still believe. Culture may tell me to believe something else. There's no one else other than my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm kind of like old Peter said in in John chapter 6. When Jesus said, will you also go away? Peter said, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Huh? Where are we going to go? You you got the best hot dogs in town. No. You got this. You got, no. You know what he said? Where would we go? You have the words of life. No. You have the words of eternal life. Can we declare today that this world is not our home? Glory be to God. There's no condemnation. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to bring condemnation to your life. Today, I would love for you and I to allow the Holy Ghost, which is truth, that Jesus said when he comes, he will testify of me. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That listen, the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. That when your flesh is confronted with the truth, when listen, when Holy Ghost says you're a liar, guess what? You're a liar. Ooh. I don't know if I like that. Flesh starts screaming. Holy Ghost said, I'm truth to you right now. If you want to change and come under or come out from under the dominion of hell, you can be set free today, made free today by the power of the Word of God. I still believe that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not that anything that was made was made without Him. I still believe the same as it was 2,000 years ago that they hated light because they were in darkness. Can I tell you something? When you are walking in the light and you are light to people, they hate you because they're in darkness. And guess what? Hell, wake up call for you. Hell hates you too. Jesus said, guess what? If the world hates me, they're going to hate you. But I want to be liked. Forget the like part. Let's be loved by Jesus. Amen. Amen. I need to go ahead and help some of you right now. Everybody don't like you. You need to get over it. Some of you right now. And this is supposed to be a victory message. If I could set you free from anything today, it would be setting you free from yourself. Now there's no condemnation to those who walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. It's when you start walking by faith, Courtney, and not by sight. I can't see it, but he said it, so I'm going to believe it. And if I'm going to believe it, I'm going to go ahead and receive it. And when I receive it, that may tell me this. I ain't there yet, but I'm well on my way. I'm going to tell you right now, we've been talking about doors. We've been talking about transformation. We've been talking about power. You and I need to understand that with every door in the gospel that we can see and in the Word of God, that with every door it's not not just an exit out, it's an entrance in, but also there's a hallway. And I've got to tell you today that I am not a patient person. I'm not. Amy knows that. How many of y'all eat raw cookie dough? I don't. Much. 
Amy loves her some raw cookie dough. She don't be preaching some truth here. I said, baby, where's the cookies? I'm looking in the oven. She says, mmm. Can you cook the cookie? She's like, no, I can't cook the cookie. I tell him that's going to make you sick. Don't matter. She eats the cookie dough. What I'm telling you is this, is that right now you've got to understand that God is bringing you out, and when He's bringing you out, it's simultaneous. If you will, I'm coming out, or I'm coming out and I'm going in, and now Sharon is the hallway. And hell can be in your hallway. The hallway for most Christians is the point from here to there. It's from one promise to the next. By the way, all of God's promises are not maybe, I think so possibly. All of God's promises, somebody shout yes. Somebody shout amen. Somebody give God some praise if you've ever experienced His promises. In the, listen, it's in the hell way. It's in that. That's borrowed. I borrowed that. Jensen Franklin had that in a book. And I'm going to tell you what, man, that made so much sense to me. He said when your hallway becomes a hell way, that when you go through it, what you need to understand is that the hallway is not where you're going to stay. It's just your going through place. It's just your place from this promise to the next promise. I wish I could get... I got to tell you today that, listen, hell's going to tell you the hallway is your destination. You need to tell hell to get out of your head and under your feet that I'm going through in Jesus' name. Hell said these walls are closing in around you. What do you got to do? I'm keeping my mind on Christ. You can't keep me from what God has for me. Nay. To have that mindset of being more than just being preached to. It's when you start preaching to yourself. Don't you dare rely on me. Because I ain't going to rely on you. I'm codependent upon one. And as much as I love my wife, I am not codependent to her in the capacity that she is my joy. What? He alone is my joy. And when I see him operating in her, you're talking about great joy. Amy don't wake up in the best mood every day. Can I tell you why? Because she don't live with the greatest husband in the world. Which really, on my side of things, as I think about it, I'm exactly right. What I'm saying is this, is that the Word of God and, and the peace and the joy of God cannot be subject to conjecture of others, that your joy rests and is and abides in Him, that Jesus Christ is your joy, He's your future, He's the conquering of your past, He is help in your hallway. The fact of the matter is this, is that we don't know what other people are going to do, but we know what Jesus has done I can tell you through the course of time, and it's all in the Word of God. There's all kind of people that had good intention. There's all kind of people that said, I'm going to finish strong. And guess what? They lay in a, in a heap on the side of the gutter. If you're here today and you feel like you've been kicked to the curb and there's no hope, I need to tell you today, and I'm going to declare in this house, that Jesus is here and it's time to come off the sideline and the curb. I'll never get over this drug. I'll never get over this. I'll never get over that. Can I tell you? You don't have to. He did it for you. Right on his back. And
most powerful piece of scripture to me. Let's answer some questions. What should we say then to these things? Let's talk about these things, Stephen. Let's talk about these things. Let's talk about these things that continually wear you out. Let's talk about these things you can't get over. Let's talk about these people you can't get past. Let's talk about these problems. Let's, talk, let's put it out on the table. But I want to remind you whose table you're sitting at. Because he prepared you a table today. And guess what? When you sit at his table, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me. Let's talk about these enemies. Let's talk about these things. Let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about worry. Let's talk about hate. Let's talk about prejudice. Let's talk about anything and these things that are bothering you today. If you want to say, hey, I don't like the way this guy preaches, I'm sorry. It's just the way I roll. We can talk about these things later if you want to talk. It would be great. It's no problem. But I've got to tell you today, man, i got a seat at his table, Jack. And when I'm sitting at his table, hell tries to come. Anxiousness tries to come. I'm having struggles with patience sometimes in my life. Guess what? When I'm sitting in the seat he prepared for me, Nancy, i got peace. I don't just have any kind of peace. i got his peace. Hallelujah. According to the Word of God in John 14, 27, he said, my peace. Somebody say, my peace. He said, my peace is by giving to you, not as the world gives. Wait a minute, I got a stimulus, I got peace. No, you don't. Because listen, the whole, every bit of this world can be in utter chaos, and it is. And it can be in utter confusion, and it is. Just be reminded that God is not the author of confusion, and the world may, the world can be in a whole state of confusion, but we can have peace. Why? Because we can declare His peace today. Amen, somebody. Man, the Word of God says this. What should we say to these things? What are you going to do with them? They just keep getting me, Pastor. He answers the question with a question. Jake, when you survey the New Testament and you survey the way that Jesus Christ approached people, he would answer a question with a question. Peter and Andrew and them come up to him, John chapter 6. They come up to him, recording the other Gospels too, come up to him and said, hey, look, I'm paraphrasing. There's a lot of people here, Jesus. I don't know if you know it or not, but we ain't got near enough money to feed these. And White Castle is closed. <laughs> they come up and they say, listen, we don't have enough money. There ain't enough food. Do you realize what's going on? Jesus never wigs out. Never calls DoorDash, never calls anybody. You know what he does? He turns it around, and I love this, brother. He turns it around. He said, what are you going to do? Outside of these doors, 26,000 people. What are you going to do? They're hungry. Hungry for what? They don't even know yet. One of the greatest statements I've ever heard about you all, I love y'all. Here's some good stuff about my family here at Potter's Hope. I hear some great stuff about y'all. Part of it's not so good, but I'm going to tell you about that and put you on it down. <laughs> Most of it's really good. But one of the things that I hear from people is, that, man, what was it that when we come in that place is like something electric? So some of y'all are thinking like, what is that? It's the Lord. Can I tell you something? You can't buy that. 
You can't conjure that up. It's the Lord's presence. It's Him. And it's more than an emotional goosebump. It's something that steers your soul. i got to hurry. And when people say, man, there's something there that is different, can I tell you, it's no person. It's no praise team. It's no preacher. It's the presence of God. And can I tell you how that happens? Bill, it's when we welcome the presence and when we declare, not just when we sing it, when we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Don't just sing it. How many of you believe it? Lord, you are here. God, if you ain't here, nobody gets saved. Nobody gets delivered, John. Preachers are pop stars. We've traded the cross for concerts. And we wonder why our culture is so messed up. We got kids dancing, they don't even know what they're dancing to. They're dancing to a beat, but not the blood. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Yeah, I am. I've been caught up in the mosh pits of culture and, and, and concerts and everything else, and, and I've left with a feel and not got anything from my faith. Today, what we have to do, Bruce, what we have to do, our leader, is this, is that we have to bring people to the attractant. Jesus needs no help. Something's... Amen. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've said it before. Well, let's do this. Let's do that. Can I tell you something? Yeah, sure. I'm all about feeding people. I'm all about us having dinner on the grounds. I'm all about that. But can I tell you, all that without Jesus really don't mean a lot to me. I've got to tell you right now, there's no manipulation in me, but I'll tell you right now, I will give you, I will feed you a hot dog. But you're going to hear about my king. You hear me? And what's happened today is this. I'm still on the word here. Stay with me today. I'm just telling you, man, we have got to stay lined up, church, because you are going to feel. I've been texting with brothers this week, and it's almost like before they text me this stuff, and I'm already praying it. I'm already believing it. And it's stuff that's in the crock pot of the Christian mind for all of us. For anybody that's spending time in prayer, You're saturating in the presence of God. Amy, I was going to do this. You know, I spoke to you this week. I said, she said, what are you seeing? I said, so many people are caught up in situation and not saturation. She said, what's the difference? I said, so many people, it's their circumstance, Brother Clay, and their situations that take a grip on them. When if we would saturate ourselves, what is saturation, Martina? Saturation is taking a sponge that has absolutely nothing in it, putting it deep down into water, holding it down, and it getting to the place to where it cannot take any more. There's no room for no more water. Could you say that about your life with Christ? That are you so immersed in you in Him, and is He so immersed in you, that listen, we wonder, where does this doubt come from? What is this pain? What is this sin? What is this? Listen, when we were full of Him, there wouldn't be room for any more of that. Say situation. Say saturation. As simple as that may sound, I've found before that on Sunday mornings it has a purpose to come in here and be saturated in the praise and the presence of God. Then what happens throughout the week, John? David, I love this, is that throughout the week what happens, if we get Jesus in here on Sunday, then we can do this. We can take that and we can be wrung out. How many of you feel the love of God in here today? How many of you feel the joy of the Lord in here today? How many of you believe in the promises of God today? 
you saturate in that, then guess what I'm going to do this week? That when life says I'm going to ring you out, guess what it's doing? It's ringing out hope. It's ringing out love. It's ringing out promise. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's what happens. But when you are so full of yourself, you come up. Well, I just want to tell you how I feel. Keep you and yourself sponge. Oh, I don't let that get on me. His presence is you, you, you're going to see a continuance of this. You're going to see more as cultural. And people are going to say, man, we're on it. We're in it. Where are you when your iPad and your iPod, they still make those, your iPhone, where are you at when the battery's dead on your praise music? Where? Oh, no. I'm still going to praise Him. I'm still going to thank Him. I'm still going to give Him glory. i got to hurry. i got about four hours of message to get down in about ten minutes. I know with men it's impossible. I hear you laughing, but with God? So if God be for me, so if God be for me, take that with you today. Let me tell you who's against you. Hell's against you. Back when I played football, wasn't really any of that. I wasn't all that good or anything. It was just the thing I played. And so you know what? When you do that, the thing that we would do every week, I remember this, that, that you would you got to know your enemy. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you something. Hell knows you. Satan knows you. He's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing, but he knows something about man. He knows that he even tried to, he even tried to pull his, heart, his hand on Jesus Christ in the wilderness. It shows us he knows some stuff about us. He knows men's characteristics. So, you know, back when I played football, Dan, you remember those days that when you played football, we would get a scouting report. And what coaches would do, they would send the tape or they would send a scouting report, and, and you would have a coach that would go to another team and they'd watch how they played. They would find their strengths and their weaknesses. The reason so many of you are getting whooped by the devil is because you're not studying the scouting report. Hell never fails. To study the scouting report. Hell knows your weaknesses. Can I get an amen? Hell also knows your strengths. How many of you would say that, listen, praise is a strength in my life. Would you raise your hand right now? Now here's what we do. When we get those scouting reports, there'd be like maybe one athlete, maybe two, maybe three Maybe athletes on that team, Stephen, and when you would get that, what you do, if the quarterback was really this, hey, man, watch it, he got a good wheel route, he can, he can roll out, he can do this, he'll do that, he'll keep it, he'll do whatever. We knew that was a strength. So guess what we targeted? Contain. Contain. Watch that quarterback, he's going to roll out, he may pass it. They call it, what, what is it, Jake, the RPO now, is that what they call it, run pass option? So what they would do, he's either going to pass it, he's either going to run it, or he's got another option. Satan knows that. He knows what your strength is. So you know what he wants to do? Contain. Uh -oh. I don't want to raise my hands. Hell wants your praise. Hell wants to contain it. Hell wants to bring all of that around. And when you understand that hell wants to take that out, you'll start guarding that. 
and you'll start declaring, hell, you can't have my praise. You didn't save me. And by the way, by the way, Sister Sirepuss, you can't take my praise either. Some of y'all right now going, you're like, is he talking to me? I'm just saying, let me move on. Oh, hold on now, Brother Browbeater, come on. Huh? Can I tell you, you need to declare to say, say this with me. Say, hell cannot have my praise. Why? Hell doesn't only know that. It knows your weaknesses. It knows the breakthroughs, the places it can get in in your life. It knows the weak places in your life. It knows what you're watching. It knows what your desire is. It knows that. Why? Not because you're so special. Sorry. It's just because hell knows man. Pastor, what do we do about our weaknesses? Then when I am weak, then am I made strong. Can somebody just give God some praise? You understand that when you acknowledge your weaknesses and you say, Lord, I'm weak right here in this area, guess what? All heaven's reinforcement comes. Pow, pow, pow. But, Lord, I'm weak in this area. Hell says, I'm busting through. Jesus said, if you get through him, you're going to get to me. And when you get to me, here's what I need to tell somebody. Why wait to let him get in front? Why don't you put Jesus out in front, in front of your weakness? Oh, put him in front of your weakness. Say, when I'm weak, then am I made strong. Let me tell you the person that gets defeated every time. I don't have a problem with that. See, we don't want to say I have a problem with lying. Lie. I ain't got a problem with the Internet. How many of y'all got this little thing on your phone that says something like, your screen time been up 97% last week. I wish that Jesus had like a little meter for us. Your praise time is down 164% from the day you got saved. Scouting report is so critical. And listen, you got to know that with these things, God is allowing it just to let you get closer to Him. Ultimately, listen, this is going to hurt you, but God is more interested in His glory than He is your pain. What? Yes. Some of y'all are like, I ain't chewing on that one. That's how we grow. That's the meat of the word. I got to hurry because I got to get over this hill. What about these things? Let's deal with these things today. Question. He answers it with a question the same way that it does in the word. Paul is following that outline. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also give us all things? All things. God did not have to. The father did not look. Listen, Jesus was never lost. God did not, God the Father never looked all over heaven or all over that through it. Jesus, where are you at? No, he never did. Because before he even said, let there be light, there was a plan. 
There has never been a plan B. There's always been a plan A. And plan A says this, before the foundation, before the creek, before the grass, before the fish, before the turkeys, before, the deer, before everything, God had a plan, Shannon. Before the foundation of the world, the lamb had already been slain. It was a done deal from the beginning. Why the law? Why this? Why that? You and I got to understand that it had not been for the law. We couldn't understand grace. Somebody shout grace. You better understand grace today is not something you take for granted. It's not something that you live in a sloppy lifestyle. Grace is something granted to you, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, that ought to be revered and feared and thank God for each and every day of your life. Well, I got up this morning. I'm so healthy. I did this. I'm running a 5K. Can I tell you, you didn't have a whole lot to do with anything you getting up healthy this morning. God gave you the grace and granted you the grace to take another breath. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Amy did this app called Couch to 5 No, was it Couch to 5K? I made my own. Couch to Kitchen. <laughs> I ain't got it all in place yet. I've told you all that before. I've got a lot of apps that I ain't just put out there yet. Snack chat, fat book. I got all kinds of them. The real part of this, guys, is that we are victorious through Christ. Grace is a gift. Can I get an amen? Grace is a gift. You didn't deserve the mercy, you didn't deserve the grace. What, I'll show you in Scripture in Galatians, the Word of God says that when the fullness of time came, the dispensation of time, that you and I are living in a period of grace, not under the law, that when God under the fullness of time sent forth His Son to be born of a woman made under the law, this, this dispensation or time frame that we are in is not the law, it's grace. Saying, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Any preacher that tells you you got to do this, you got to walk like this, you got to walk like that, you got to do this, you got to do that. Can I tell you something? Come unto him with a broken heart, a broken life, and crawl, listen, come, crawl, wiggle, waddle, do whatever you got to do, but get to him. And tell him not just that, hey, I messed up. Tell him I've sinned against you. I'm so passionate about seeing people. Lord, don't ever let me lose that passion of seeing people get set free. Paid for. He that spared not his own son, but delivered unto him all these things. How shall he not with him? He's freely given us all things, not just salvation. Peace, joy, love, all of those things. 33, real quick. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? You know, you're God's elect. You know, God appointed unto you to get saved. Wait a minute now. He's getting ready to talk about predestination. He's beginning to talk about God had foreknowledge. You and I don't know nothing about that. Here's what I need to tell you today, that God's ways are not your ways. God's ways are a lot higher than you. For those of you thinking, hey, wait a minute now. Uh-uh. If he knocked Paul off of his high horse, you better understand he can knock you off too. And maybe it'll bring you to the point of seeing the light also. The real part of this is that when we see this, is that for God's elect, that we understand that, that whosoever, I believe in free will, period. 
I believe today that you can choose, that you can come to a place that, listen, if, if, even, if, even if somebody said to me today, well, what if, what if God knew this and to be saved and that wouldn't be? I said, so what? I wouldn't know. I had a young man tell me early on, I hadn't been preaching very many years at all. If that's what you call this. And so here I was, I was doing that, and he, he came to me after service, and I heard him telling a young lady here at the altar, most had already left, and he was telling her, you know, you know, you can be saved. And then he tells me, he said, maybe it's not God's will for her to be saved. Maybe she's not one of the elect. I said, what? Do y'all ever want to throat punch somebody? I looked at him wall-eyed, and I said, what are you talking about, Willis? I said, what? What are you talking about? He said, well, you know, you believe. I said, I don't believe nothing in predestination. I said, what I've got to tell you is this. Is that I said, I'm going to agree with you here, and I've come to find this out over the years. This is going to mess some of you up. I believe it's God predestines all of us to be saved. We choose to be lost. You say, well, hold on a minute. I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can grasp that. I'll help you. Let me tell you what God's will is. The Word of God says, Jake, that it's God's will that every one of us be saved. Can we give God some praise in there? Do you know what? That's God's will for your life. Isn't that awesome, Chris, that it's God's will and to grasp that, that God wants every one of you to be saved? Guess what? And to be in heaven with Him. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Who's he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather. And here's my scripture. Verse 34. Could you put that up on the screen for me, guys? Thank you. Who is he that condemns? We talk about these things. Who's condemning you? What's condemning you? I want to tell you that the Holy Ghost is a master of leading us to Christ. The Holy Ghost objective, and I love this, the full Holy Ghost objective is to bring us closer to Him. And the thing that, that Paracletos, that when you begin to study that out, it's the one that comes alongside, beside, before, behind, and inside. The Holy Ghost is the manifestation of His presence. But it's also, according to the Word of God in Romans chapter 8, it's the earnest of expectation, meaning it's the down payment of a place called glory. Can I take just a moment right here? How many of you have ever experienced, we'll just start with five minutes. How many of you have ever experienced five minutes in the Holy Ghost to where flesh had no bearing on your mind or your body. If it was awesome, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Can you imagine what a life in the Spirit would be like? Wow. What if I pushed the envelope? What if I said 10 minutes? What about a time, Meredith, in our life where we could just say, you know what, Lord, I choose you. I choose you. I see problem and I see promise, but I choose you. Isn't that beautiful, Helen? Who is he that condemns? The Holy Spirit does such a masterful job of not condemning us, but convicting us. Of doing a wonderful job of saying, I know you messed up. And see, your flesh says, I want to stay away. Brother, when were they at? I can tell you most of the time, something. 
Darkness hates light. And just as Adam hid from the Father, people quit coming to church. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I've really blown it. And it took every bit of who and what and anything that you are or have ever been to get here. I came to talk to you. And to tell you that Jesus is here. And that the Holy Spirit is leading you to Him. God doesn't have His belt ready. He has His arms open wide. You say, come on in. Let's talk about this. I know what you've done. And I want to release you from that. I want to forgive you of that. When people live and now you can't even say anything that is right without being condemned. I'll get to more of this here. You just stay with me. And who is it that condemns? The Word of God said, is it Christ? He said, he said it's this. He said that when it comes to fruition and it comes full, full circle, it is Christ that died. Yea, rather, the Word of God said that He died for me. So then how? You can't condemn me. Why? That Jesus died for me. That when hell comes and says, I know what you've done. Jesus said, I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. I'm the healing of yesterday, and I'm your hope for tomorrow. He died. Verse 34, is that the one we got up? Yeah, I love it. That is risen again. <laughs> Here's the gospel in one verse. Christ died for me. Christ got up for me. And Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father for me. That's beautiful. Can we put all of Scripture into one verse, or all of, all of this into one verse? Clay, that's the reason I'm saying I can't get over that hill. I had a whole outline here. Maybe I'll teach it. I can't get over the hill. I can't get over Calvary. I can't get over what He did for me. And I pray I never get over it. I can't get over the things that he's forgiven me of. I can't get over how he's taken the junk and given me joy. Sue, I can't get over this sweet peace that I'll just be riding in a car. I'll be at Walmart. I'm witnessing people in ties this past week. They said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. They started laughing. I said, they said, well, I said, I just love telling people about Jesus. And I said, don't mind the tears, but can I witness? And I watched as four men in ties gathered around. And I began to tell them about my king. And I begin to tell them 
One guy's peering over a desk and he's he's listening. And I said, I just love telling people about what he can do, how he'll take the prostitute and make her a princess, and how he'll take the addiction and bring in the anointing, and how. And I just begin to, and they're like, Wow, why, Tom? Because I can't get over the hill. I can't get over the days, save me. I can't get over the days that he's healed you, Tom. I remember praying beside a hospital bed years ago. Years ago, I remember praying beside, and it's not anything in me, but it's all him. I can't get over the hill, guys, and I don't ever want to get over the hill. And I remember bowing, and I said, God, with men, this seems impossible, but guess what? God made that possible, and God's a healer. I can't get over the hill. But what's happened with Christians is this. is that we've gotten over it. You've gotten over it. Please let me preach to you for just, or let me just share the gospel with you for just a moment. Stephen, will you stand there? Jake, will you stand over here real quick? Just Stephen, stand there. Jake, over here. That's good, Stephen. That's good, Jake. 2000. 4,000 years ago, a man named Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, the Word of God said that the Lord did tempt Abraham. And He said, take your son, your only son, and take him to a mountain in which I will call. And I want you to offer him Upon the place that I'll tell you in Genesis 22, there are three words that are recorded for the first time. It's the first time that the word tempt is recorded. If you don't think that God will not tempt you, you are wrong. The word tempt means to test. For those of you today that are thinking, God, what's this going on? This is the test of the Merton. This is a test that you are going through. In that... 4,000 years ago, he said, he used this, he said, the only son whom you have, the one you love, the first time that the word love or the derivative of love is used is right there in Genesis 22. I got temptation or I got tempting, I got love. And then the third word, the first time that it is used in Scripture is go yonder and worship. Wait a minute, I don't even know where I'm going. Listen, Abraham started moving even before he knew where he was going. Somebody today in this house, I don't even know what I'm doing. He's already moving. You just... I don't understand it all. Gay, let me help you with something nobody in here does. If they tell you they understand it all, please run. The Lord did tempt Abraham. Take your son, the one that you love. Go yonder and worship. First time that it's used. He's moving. He's got the wood. He's got the sacrifice. But uh, listen, his son Isaac, which means laughter. Laughter looks at faith and says... But where is the lamb? Hold on, I got it. You need to stay with me. I'm still on task here. I'm still preaching. I got a word for you, Potter's Hope. We got fire. We got song. But where's the lamb? I'll tell you right now. America is headed down a road that unless it changes, and I'm talking about the American church, 
We've got song. We've got dance. We've got the greatest of this. We've got the greatest of that. But where is Jesus? Where's the Lamb? And people are looking at you, man, you can dance, you can sing, but where is Jesus? We found a ram in the thicket. Abraham, did he go? I don't know whether he did or not, but boy, I'm thinking if I'm Isaac, I'm going. Stay with me. You can look back. It's called the Akedah. That when you look at that very thing, you see. Mike, you know this, that when he said the Word of God would say within that piece of Scripture that God will provide himself, say himself, that God will provide himself a lamb, that there as he's getting ready to do it, the angel stops him. God will provide himself a lamb. We don't have to wait for a ram in the thicket. God provided not just any lamb. He provided one of Himself. He provided His Son. Can I get an amen in the house? Do you, can I tell you, there can be no substitute for Jesus. Just as there can be no substitute in the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Listen, Ishmael, the son of the flesh, will not work. Whole message to itself. 2,000 years ago. Story of father and son. They head out. You can walk with me. Man, Isaac, you've grown. I'm going to leave my other two servants here. We're going, where are we going, Dad? We're going to worship. Where's worship at? I don't know. It's where he's telling me to go. And they walk and they go. And notice they leave the servants here. Most people believe that it's the son of a servant within his own house or they believe that it's Ishmael, the son of the flesh. What you have to leave behind in order to worship him is the So what have I got? I've got faith and a promise. And I get here and faith says, I'm going to do what you told me to do. But then grace stops the hand. And said, I've provided for you what you need. Two thousand years later, another father and son. Walk the Via Della Rosa. Hours before, the son says, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. If there's any other way, show me now. And the father says, At this point in your life, Steve, so many people say, I can't hear him. You heard him the day he saved you. The plan is being fulfilled as you walk. There, 
was no angel to stop the hand of the Father. There was no voice from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And there's never been a day that heaven spoke louder than that day. Because the word of God said that Jesus was led as a sheep unto slaughter, and yet he never opened his mouth. In Jerusalem, geographically, Jim, you'll work right over here, please. Geographically, the place, we don't realize this, but Jerusalem, if we could encapsulate, Jacob, if we were looking at all of it, it's about 45 acres. Which is in how big is 45 acres? This campus, counting the hotel up there, and this area is about seven. So you can see that Jerusalem as a whole, the city is not that big. 45 acres. Rick, you remember. And if you were here, this area back here, most would believe that it was the land of Moriah. There's a lot of study there. We could talk about Melchizedek. We could talk about David and the threshing floor. We could talk about all those if we don't have time. But on this very place, in the land of Moriah, worship was established. I can't get over the hill. Somebody say, why? Is it where he died? No, it's where I did. Pastor, what do you mean it's where you died? I love this part, Cecil. So many people leave Calvary and they never die. It's only those that are dead in Christ that understand life. It's the true worship. This is where worship is at. Worship meant the burnt offering that it was spoke of with Abraham and Isaac. This very thing, this very moment meant that there would be nothing left. That's the beauty for ashes. Worship is not song. Worship is not lyric. Worship is every bit of me coming to nothing in His presence. Can I get an amen? Do you understand? And what we do in America, we leave and say, we had a good service. What made it a good service? I can't get over the hill. So as you look and you put all of Mount Moriah here and all of this place culminating with probably just within a few short steps. Steve, it was a mountainous type ridge. It really just more of a ridge line, kind of cragged and different things, but it had an elevation. And as you would go up, it's 777 meters at the top, and we'll preach that out later. And you go to the top, and there was Calvary. Now turn to somebody and say, which way are you going? If you were to head this way, praise team, will you go ahead and come? I'll wait on you. Thank you. I can't get over the hill. If you were to go in the other direction, if you were to go east, Shan, if we were to go east, what we would find that if I keep going in that direction and I turn south, then I would go to a place called the Dead Sea. At the Dead Sea, geographically, not only will you find that many of you have heard of that before, it's the lowest place on earth. Stay with me. Not only is it the lowest place on earth, but you'll find a place probably still today on the map 
called Zoar, that if you look in Scripture, you're going to find that word Zoar. And what you're going to see if you look at a map that goes back to the time of Christ or even before the patriarch's time, you're going to find that also there was a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. They're at the Dead Sea. Pastor, what are you trying to tell us today? America's headed towards the Dead Sea. We're headed towards the Red Sea. Give these guys a hand, please. Give them a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Jim. I was trying to put you over there where you didn't belong. Sorry. Pastor, what are you trying to tell me? Which way are you headed? I really appreciate you being attentive, but I'm, I'm going to ask right now, please don't turn me off. Please don't turn him off. This is critical. Today, I want to ask where you are. Jenny, if you'll just pedal softly, whatever's on your heart, maybe one of those. I'd really like Asher, if we, can you all do that on a hill far away song? I think that's possible. The year's 1912. There's a preacher slash evangelist that got saved at a Salvation Army meeting. He'd given his life to Christ and started evangelizing. And one night leaving the service that he was called to, as he leaves, his mind goes back to some young people, some kids that were ridiculing him while he preached. And his mind was drawn back to that point and he thought, why? Why isn't there a concern anymore for the gospel? Why isn't there a concern? that I preach and, 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 and his heart was not broken for self it was broken because of the word of God that night changed his life because it was that night that the Lord began to write a lyric upon his soul that simply began with on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross Today, I'm wondering, for America, is the hill farther away than it's ever been? Can I share something with you that I penned? And you're like, yeah, please, hurry. I will. Today, we're worshiping the wrong hill. In the late 1700s, architects were commissioned on a hill of what we would know there at Washington, D.C. or outside, they were commissioned to build a building that would hold the legislative branch that we know here in our country. We would know that it would hold the Senate and the House as far as them convening together and different things coming together as that. We could see all of this thing on Capitol Hill. Thomas Jefferson, which most people say is the architect of the Constitution, he would be the one that insisted that don't spell it with an A, spell it with an O. Why? Because, Bill, I wanted to go back to, Thomas Jefferson was well-traveled. He said, no, I want it to be like the one in Rome. Where Jupiter was God, which is the equivalent of Zeus within Greek mythology and Greek thought. I want it to be like that. And so with that in mind, it was constructed. 
a hill farther away. I wrote this down. Thank you for listening. Did Thomas Jefferson know when he had insisted that it be spelled and thought of as the capital with an O in reference to the great hall of Jupiter and Zeus as given to the Roman centuries before? Did he ever think that America would slide in such decline into the pit of immorality that it has today? Did he think that those sacred halls of justice and legislation would become so political and devices that it would not prosper his America but destroy it? Did he know behind its podiums debates would echo throughout its halls whether or not a baby has the right to live and if it could or so could its life be taken immediately after it was even born by delivery by consent of doctor or said be parent? Did he realize or know just more than a couple hundred years ago that America would be right here? Why is America here? Because of us. Because of us forgetting the heel. Because of us not declaring that our God is still alive. Can I get an amen in the house? So when you begin to look at that and you think that, where is America headed? We can't define marriage. Struggles with gender, struggles with so much. And the Word of God is an option and not a necessity. This is where we are today. In closing, where are you? I can't get over the hill. I can't get over the hill. At least I can't get over what He's done for me. And today, right now where you are, where is the last time, when is the last time you just stopped and thanked Him for what He has done for you. And to live not a hateful life, but a grateful life. Hey everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.